Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the NFL Road Show, closing out the first week of March with a little draft talk. We're about eight weeks away now, starting to see more and more mock drafts out there. But with free agency having yet to have taken place, it's hard to really play that game because you don't know what anyone's roster is actually going to look like come April 29th. It could be very different. And that is why Cynthia Freeland's mock draft caught my eye because it's not a projection of what teams will do in the draft or even a projection of what they should do. Frankly, it's a reflection of what Cynthia's data-driven analytics model tells her the team needs most to win now, which is not what every team will be drafting for, as we all know, but it is an interesting way of having all of the off-field conversations in one conversation. What are the team's weaknesses? Which one, if filled, would contribute the most to a turnaround in the win column next season immediately? And then if that position or need or weakness is not addressed in free agency, which draft pick, which actual person coming out of college would be the best one to help that team? So I think it's an interesting way of looking at a mock draft. And as a result, her mock is very different than others that you will find out there, as is the why behind her picks. So without further ado, let's get this thing going and break the huddle with NFL Media's analytics expert, Cynthia Freeland. Hello, how are you? Hi, Cynthia. So I'm going through your mock and reading the preface and thinking that this would have taken me about four years to put together. Again, blown away by all the boxes that you check and things that you think to put in it. It's crazy. You know, the interesting part is I did start kind of doing something like this a long time ago and every year I update it for, you know, modern trends. What's going on this season that's different? So this year you can imagine with a shortened college season or some people opting out entirely and also all of the different things. We don't have a combine, like all of the different changes really had to like take a fresh look, which I'm going to say it was fun because I'm like nerdy and like that, but it was also not fun for some reasons too, because data people tend to like more data rather than yeah. less data. So it didn't really like, you know, it, it was fun with the constraints. We'll put an asterisk there for sure. So your model kind of plugs in all sorts of different variances and you have talked to people around the league and like explain somewhat of the process of how you kind of put this together and what your premise was. So the goal is to not necessarily, you know, look, some people, they have a really hard job. They have to call everyone that works for a team and bother them and be like, who are you going to draft? Do you like this guy? Who do you like this guy better than this guy? Like, that's an awful job. It's a, a waste of time. And people tell you the wrong things a lot. So ugh, like, I'm, I'm not going to do that. So instead, what I've done is I've taken what I know about all of the people who are going to be calling the plays. You can, you can look through there. There's some weird situations. Like for example, Miami has two offensive coordinators. Interesting. We don't know how that's going to go, but we'll see. But ultimately it's programming into a model that has no feelings. So no love, no hate, like you know, I don't know if someone falls in love with Trevor Lawrence versus, or actually that's not a great one. It's, it's really Justin Fields versus, you know, Zach Wilson, like they have different attributes. So someone could fall in love or not. It's what makes sense given their team's total personnel, what play calling tendencies coaches have, mm -hmm. what free agents are available. So substitutes, it's just like a market. You can't, you know, you, if you don't have another quarterback, you can't just like the Jags need a quarterback. They can't play without one. So, you know, it's available substitutes in the marketplace and how they could all fit together the best to optimize for wins in 2021. Understandably, some teams will want to draft their quarterback for the future. That's a longer horizon. But for my mock's sake, it is all about what's going to get you there in 2021. 
And then are you taking into account things like value of position too? Because there you could obviously look at certain teams and say that team really needs a tight end because they need more of a, you know, short passing like outlet or something like that to set things up for the deep pass, um, like the Seahawks jump to mind, right? As a team that may but you're not gonna take a tight end probably in the first round, right? So right. are so you factoring in position- things like that? Yes, absolutely. So each position has a value. Like typically it goes quarterback, defensive and left tackle. And then you could argue wide receiver or cornerback or cornerback than wide receiver. It's that's a preference based on stylistic situations. You also see that reflected in how expensive those positions are against the cap. So quarterbacks take up the highest percentage of the cap because the belief is they're the most important position. So like I said, quarterback pass rusher, usually an edge rusher, but Aaron Donald has broken that mold. Um, then you've got your left tackle. Then you've got corner or wide receiver. Those are, that's how the price breaks down. So Wait, tight how, end, are you, how are you breaking it? How are you inserting prices? Like on rookie deals, you're still factoring that in, even though they're all pretty cheap. So that's an interesting situation where someone gets an uptick. They get a They get a disproportionate value where the return on investment is higher as a rookie, but the positional value is still the same. So a positional value. So like if a quarterback is very high, you're even more Mm -hmm. valuable if you can plug and play as a quarterback now on a rookie deal. So you're ranking him higher and plugging that in. You're coming for my job, Lindsay. Exactly. Oh yeah. It took me like five follow-up questions to understand what you were even saying. So mm, I think you're safe. (laughs) No, I just think I can't explain things well. So, but but what you're doing, what you're doing is really taking like, so you got to look at the, like for a great example, the Cardinals needed a pass rusher. So they went out and got JJ Watt. Yeah. They overpaid for JJ Watt from Mm -hmm. a percentage basis on what his production is likely to yield. That to me reflects the fact that they believe rational or irrational that they couldn't get a better one in the draft. They're drafting 16th. So they couldn't get a better edge rusher to do what they needed JJ Watt to do amongst the other free agents and the draft eligible draft class, given where they're drafting and what, what, you know, what they have at their disposal to do the thing they needed to do on defense, whether that's rational or irrational based on what you really need to do is factor in like your entire team. But you know that, so they technically overpaid, but in theory, if we believe they're all rational, they didn't think they could get a better uptick for the, for the price. Right. Or they thought once you put all of the different values together in terms of where their different holes were, that, yep. that they could get more value or better value at different positions in the draft. And okay. like yeah. you pointed out, they have a quarterback and a rookie deal. So they don't have to pay Kyler Murray as though he's a QB one. Fair point. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned quarterbacks there. Um, your mock has fewer quarterbacks going as early as other mocks. Like other mocks, we're seeing quarterbacks just fly off the board, right? Mm-hmm. Um, your mock doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. Is that largely because a rookie quarterback is less likely to immediately hit the ground running and provide you immediate value? So while it might be a smart play for your organization to draft them with a long-term vision in mind, you're only projecting what is going to turn into wins next year. It also depends on a few things. So for example, so Trevor Lawrence goes first. I feel like everybody and their brother has that on their, on their big board. So we can set him aside at the second pick. Most people have the Jets at least exploring either trading or taking a quarterback. Mm -hmm. For me, the Jets are not one player away. The Jets are like 40 players away, not to be mean. Like I, I, you know, I like the color green. I think that's fair. Right. There are a lot of players away. So ultimately taking a quarterback with that position, given that a quarterback has a learning curve, 
and has an amount of time and they have a crappy O line. That's not going to be the right position for them. There just aren't enough ways to create wins in 2021 with that strategy. Now, my mock, I'm not allowed to make any trades at all. I would suggest the, the Jets do trade and they trade down a bit because they could likely get a lot more positional value, a lot of different positions in one. Plus, all of the quarterbacks, including Trevor Lawrence, every quarterback, I believe, is a system quarterback. You need the right system around you. Otherwise, you are not going to reach your full potential. Lamar Jackson, if you were to pick him up and airdrop him onto the Lions, would not have had an MVP season. I can tell you that because they didn't have the right blend of O-linemen and, and tight ends and, this, and runners that the, the, that the Ravens had to make Lamar Jackson just absolutely shine. So it's everyone, Tom Brady, you know, Andrew Luck was a system quarterback. They, they all are. They need the system Mahomes. to make Mahomes. They're all system quarterbacks. Like, I don't know what that means. So they're all system quarterbacks, right? So that's really what it reflects. It's like, you know, do you, Sam Darnold isn't bad. Like it's Sam Darnold is, we don't right. know what Sam Darnold is, right? We don't so, know. Cause they're no, so bad. <laughs> There's and he get, gets mono. Like who has mono me in freshman year of college, but like, you know, other than that, like not a normal thing. So that he's not worth discarding because you have 40 needs. Like they, they need corners. Oh my goodness. What's going on with their corners and they need a pass rusher. Huh? Like anyways, so there's a lot that they need there that, so it just really reflects the fact that they're not one player away. Okay. But you do not have them taking a pass rusher or a corner nope. in your mock. You have them going offensive tackle and everyone's yeah. favorite in the draft. Yeah, I mean, look, obviously they took left tackle with Mekhi Becton last season. Mekhi Becton is an athletic tackle. He was not on the field for every play. He was nasty when he was there. However, you had the whole rest of the line. That's 20% of your alignment. Think of your basketball team. Think of the difference when you have just one star versus when you have two. You hugely different, right? Just the same number of people, five alignment, five basketball team. You want LeBron and you need someone to compliment. They, they all have to work together. So ultimately being able to protect any quarterback, whoever that is, needs to start there. Stick with the fundamentals, then take, it also reflects the fact that this isn't as good of a pass rushing or defensive line class as the, we saw in the, there's no chase young in this one, you know, like they're chase young. He's a freak and mm -hmm. that doesn't happen often. So there's not, there's, if there were a chase young in this draft, he would have gone second, but they, they, they it just isn't there. And you're assuming, so we're talking about school here. Yeah, um, you're assuming that linebacker uh, CJ Mosley is coming back. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't love making that assumption, but right. I, the only assumptions that I made were like the ones that were what I'm calling well-known rumors, like when Teddy Bridgewater unfollowed the Panthers and stuff like, <laughs> listen, unless you do something petty, I'm going to assume you're still on your team because okay. we don't know anything different yet. And I, my next mock draft will probably look completely different given free agent moves. Right. So, um, if CJ Mosley didn't come back, are you thinking of going in a different position here? No, I think it's still you know, like my, my favorite um, edge rusher is Quiddy pay and he's a project. And I don't know if they, and I know Robert Sala is an awesome defensive coach, but I don't know if he's consistent enough with how much they need. Like they need a guy who day one is like ready. He's like, he's not, you know, he's not, um, there's, there's fewer question marks and Quiddy pay. Uh, some people were like, what, why is he so high? He's the best one. It doesn't, it, it just reflects the fact that it's not the strongest class overall. Okay. So because Quiddy Pay does not fall very far from, nope. you know, this particular spot and we'll get to him in just a second, but at number three and the dolphins, 
you have pretty much the same guy and or at least position group as everybody else has. We're mm-hmm. seeing a lot of wide receiver at number three, which makes sense getting some weapons there. And you have Jamar Chase. Yeah, I really look when he opted out. I hate that because it's hard. I, mean, I don't hate it. Like it's good for him. He should do what he wants. But from a data standpoint, it's not super fun because, you know, let's be honest, like that's hard for me to model, but he was open a lot. And when he has a lot of space to work with, that could be great. They need some help in that receiving core. I would, if I were advising the dolphins, I would trade out of this position. I would, I would definitely trade down in this position. You can get a lot of value. Like they need a bunch of O-linemen too. They need a bunch of, you know, they need a pass rusher as well. They, there's a lot of needs that they have wide receiver would really help them on offense very quickly, but you know, that's, that's just because this guy, Jamar chase is projected to be really, really good. So it's like the magnitude of how good the wide receiver is versus, you know, like now there's just a bunch of offensive linemen that are left that are all pretty good, but not as good as Jamar. So I would say trade down, go get like more above average guys and say the elite guy. Sure. He could give you the most wins in 2021, but you could get two above average guys. Like I would trade almost every position if, if they let me, but then Bill Smith would kill me. So (laughs) nobody would want to edit that. So (laughs) Bill Smith, who is your uh, researcher producer for these types of projects. Just keep it simple, right? (laughs) Just just keep it. So he's like, he's like, you can't trade every position. I was like, but I, but I can, but it would be so fun. Um, okay. So let's say you did trade down there because, uh, obviously there are some teams that will be trying to move up to get a quarterback. And so you'll probably get some calls to do that. How far, let's say they really wanted one of those top tier wide receivers. How far down do you think that they could trade and realistically, um, still get that done? You know, I think that it's interesting because I think the Eagles will take a wide receiver if, if, you know, depending on who's available at that, like I have them taking a tight end right now because this tight end is special. Kyle Pitts, he's super special. He's not, he's not a tight end. He's a tight end, but he's not like, he's a modern tight end, right? So this assumes no Zach Ertz. And this is like the tight end. That's like a, you know, the guy who you're going to want to draft first, you know, like in two years, it's going to be like, Oh, Kyle Pitts, is he going to be, you know, is he going to be, is Travis Kelsey on the decline and Kyle Pitts now, you know, he's, he's like that same model of like the guys you've seen be just super like great for your fantasy teams too, right? Like that's the Kyle Pitts. That's the, you know, George Kittle. Like that's, that's the kind of the situation he is. So I don't think you get much past that. Like you can't get, go down too far, but I think one of these teams that could need, could be looking quarterback could be really interesting to jump up and trade with, you know, for example, I, I know that when I look to see like, what are the Broncos going to do? Like, are they going to want a quarterback? Do they think, cause I have them taking a quarterback at nine. I don't know if a quarterback will be available at nine. Cause there's a lot of teams that could trade out of it. So it's interesting. I think, I think they could go down. They're not getting past for sure. If no one trades, they're not getting past 11. The giants will take the best wide receiver available. Okay. So trying to go in order still and we're kind yeah, of, of course. knocking some out uh the atlanta falcons at number four a lot of people have them taking quarterback here to plan I for know. the future you do Again, not this is your quitty pay landing spot their cap space situation is abysmal yeah. right like there's a few teams who are in cap space nightmares the falcons are one of them so their defense is garbage they've got a really good wide receiving core They've got, but their defense really needs help. And I love their new defensive coordinator. His name's Dean Pease. He had come from the Ravens and the Patriots and most recently the Titans. And what he does well are teach young players 
uh, with exotic fronts. And that's why I put Quiddy Pay there because Quiddy Pay, you know, the, Michigan, he played all over the place and he has the athleticism and bursts. So if you measure like his first two yards off the line of scrimmage, he's just fast, like blazing fast and can get so. To me, he's the, he's the upside. He's the upside winner for this situation. Like my models like him a lot more than other people because people are like, oh, is he like um, Chase Winovich? Because he went to Michigan. I'm like, not not even like Chase Winovich was very good, by the way, for the Patriots. But mm-hmm. this guy is like a this guy's got that twitch that like you could measure it, but you you gotta you gotta teach it too. So it's the combination of need at the position. And the fact that there's a great teacher there that's focused on it, right? Like Robert Sala is a great defensive teacher, but like he also has to now do the entire team. So yeah. let's, you know, let's be honest. Like sometimes we haven't seen that work out so well, but when you got a great defensive coordinator and an offensively minded head coach and they've worked together before, remember Arthur Smith and DPs worked together in Tennessee, like that's hand in glove, much better situation. Yeah. So you can maximize the talent that you'll mm-hmm. get from him there. I think that's an interesting way of looking at it from a Falcon standpoint, because in terms of the cap that you bring up, you know, if you bring in a quarterback this year because it's the quarterback that you like long-term to eventually take over for Matt Ryan, that's a smart long-term strategy, but really, really doesn't help you now because he's going to sit on the bench. So yeah, it's an interesting, it's a tricky spot to put yourself in because if you, you, you want to get better and you don't have any money to do that in free agency. So and the other thing to factor in is the stylistic type of quarterback available. You're not getting Trevor Lawrence, right? So Matt Ryan is not a, like Justin Fields is a rushing quarterback. He has leg use for days. Sometimes it's better to learn from someone who's more like you stylistically. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's better, like sometimes the backup quarterback strategy is better to have someone who's different so that when you ultimately have to like sub, like if someone gets hurt or whatever, people don't know your playbook, but if you're like trying some Hill te- drew Brees, exactly. They could start rotating but, someone different in immediately. Yeah. But if you're trying to teach someone, right. And if you believe that they're a project, both of these quarterbacks that are kind of the consensus next guys up, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, or even Mac Jones, some people that really like him as well. Um, they don't have the same Matt Ryan's a pocket passer. I mean, it, yeah, you know, I, I went to BC. We're, we're good. I'm not like, not it's not used in the pejorative it's good um it's he's just not that style so I don't know if that's actually good for them or not right and then you'd have a Justin Fields sitting there in the meeting room every day talking about an offense that is not the one that he's going to run so he's really not getting that year of experience or learning under his belt because it's just completely completely different that's an interesting they'd have to trade Matt Ryan and clear up some of that cap space for that to even work but then what would happen is then they'd be forcing a start from two guys who I'm not sure are starting ready. Like, I don't even know if I think Trevor yeah. Lawrence is starting ready because it's very hard to know behind that O line with those configuration of receivers. Like it, you know, he's going to start, but is he, does he, is he ready? I don't, I don't, I have no idea. You know, we don't, we haven't seen enough from anyone to understand that. So number five, uh, the Bengals, this is where a lot of people have Sewell going in the their other mock drafts because mm-hmm. they have quarterbacks going higher and knocking Sewell down. You have him going number two to the Jets in that scenario. Uh, they have the Jets taking a quarterback or probably uh, having a trade on the board too. Um, but so you do not. You have a different offensive tackle here. In yeah, the I like Rashawn, yeah, I like Rashawn Slater. Um, the interesting thing about Slater is that you know, when you look to see like big 10 football and what you face and, and by the way, Northwestern was like, strangely had like such a great season. So he should have probably played because 
some people have questions as to whether or not Slater should be a guard or a tackle. Um, and he's, you know, some people would call him undersized, like he's too thin or whatever, but I don't know. I like, to me, that's not what I saw on, on any of my film or any of my measurements. So I have him playing tackle. Um, and that's why he then is going second. And I think a little bit of like maturity, um, on that O line when it comes to like, you know, blend of older players and kind of getting these new guys, like a, a younger class up to speed is what would help the Bengals the most this season. They've got a lot of needs on defense too, right? Like they're, yeah. they got a lot of, they need a lot of help on defense as well, but I think tackle would be the one to, you got to really protect Joe. Well, Cause then you maximize the value pick of your quarterback pick. Like yes, the, 100%. You, you can't have him getting hit as much. Again, no more hurts. Then it's no sort of hurt. a two for one situation here. Exactly. If you go, Offensive line at five. Okay, so number six, you already mentioned that you have them taking Kyle Pitts. I mm-hmm. I think it's interesting that people are talking about him going so high this year, but you bring up a good point when you talk about like the George Kittles. I mean, guys like George Kittle and Travis Kelsey, and I mean, you get yourself a really good tight end, and that's a game changer for that offense. They're not just, you know, out there blocking. They do so many different things. Do you think that the league is starting to look at their value a little bit differently? Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. Cause we saw that remember like a million years ago, like Jimmy Graham wanted to be paid like a wide receiver right. and it caused a big problem and this whole thing. Like, I think, I think that the, what's really happening is two things. One, like w- someone who would have like 10 years ago, only played wide receiver and um, like an oversized, you know, wide receiver now, like th- th- it's just changing how what's happening in college and what happening in college changing then filters up to the NFL, that style of play, like the number of screens we see, the number of you know, play action passes. We see the number of, you know, things that we never used to see. And once you got to the NFL level, it's bleeding over and it Mm -hmm. has to, because that's what they're trained to do. Like if it's just, it's supply and demand, right? So ultimately, you know, it's kind of like, if you look to see, like you've got a college style quarterback that needs some help learning. Sure. That's presumably Jalen hurts as a starter with no Carson Wentz. We're good. And they need a lot of pass catchers. So go with the guy who runs the most high probability passes because that's where you can get some value, right? Like catch those passes, get some, bring in some free agent wide receivers, hopefully turn things around a little bit faster because they've got a good defense and not a, there's some holes, but you know, they're, they're less hamstrung by that than other teams. What about Goddard? I don't know how I feel about Goddard. I don't think he, like Goddard could be a nice number two. Uh, it's, it's, we've seen some really interesting, he doesn't run precise routes and that's really difficult. If you want him to catch the ball, like I, you can like track how someone runs a, a route and if they can get open and some people are not as good at it as others. And at this position, if you're expecting someone to catch the ball, they have to be really precise and get open because there's so much traffic in the middle of the field. They're typically, I mean, I guess some tight ends run deep routes, but for the most part, they're running in the middle of the field into a lot of traffic. So the ability to get open is really a big deal. That would also be helped, by the way, if they had a perimeter receiver that could draw the coverages away. But that's, you know, that's not like, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a second level problem or a second level situation. <laughs> Number seven, your team, the Lions. My former team. What you're, you've abandoned them. You're done. I like to say that, but God, they make like the decisions, you know, I, I can't quit them. Like it just sucks. Like I'm in a horribly abusive relationship and I can't get out of it. So it's just terrible. Like they keep making this, like even yesterday, you're like, really, you're letting go of like Kenny Galladay because you're going to go with Tyrell Williams. Cool. Like that seems like a good fit with good, a a nice, he has got good deep skills, but like 
Jared Goff, does he throw deep? I'm not sure. Anyways, um, and I don't like biting kneecaps. That weirded me out. Like the whole thing is odd. <laughs> so, <laughs> it was not graphic. I think we knew where it. he was going with it, but maybe it was a little bit too specific about what you wanted I, your team to do. I don't, yeah. I, whatever. So yeah, look, I like Micah Parsons. Um, he's great. I wouldn't wish it, this on him uh, because look, I, I think <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Off ball linebackers are so valuable in the league this year. And because you can blitz, you can cover slot receivers. There's so many people who run routes in the slot. Like, <sighs> So yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, um, You're he's so good sad. against the run. He's great against the run, by the way. So, and he knows how to play in inclement conditions. He played at Penn state and I, I know the lions play inside, but their opponents don't. So, you know, two of their opponents don't So you, yeah, I wouldn't wish this on him, but you know, could happen. I talked to Bucky Brooks earlier in the week and we talked about the lions at seven and whether they should draft a quarterback to kind of have like one in waiting and let Goff be a bridge while they get this guy ready. He said, no. And the point that he made, um, I thought was a, a very, very good one, that they just have so many holes right now that Same wait, the plug in those holes, then go draft a quarterback in a couple of years. Like, you're not even close. So wait, go, and then plug in that rookie quarterback on the, you know. Bucky's a smart man. Minimal Matthew, deal. Matthew Stafford's a really good quarterback. Super, I'm so happy for him that he has a chance to succeed um, in a different situation. And by the way, I love Deuce Staley. And I love Anthony Lynn. I don't. I don't know why they decided to take those jobs, but whatever. I'm, I'm out. I love how I think a lot of people are going to relate to the way you talk about your favorite team. It's so upsetting. It's just like I like I said, abusive relationship. And then I, I'll I'll have some hope on draft night because like Lions fans, we get hope for like five minutes, and then we're like, ugh, nope, done. Week one, done. Okay, so how let's project that. What could they do? Or do you think that they might think about doing that you desperately do not want them to do? Everything they're doing. Getting <laughs> rid of getting rid of Kenny Galladay was stupid. Or they haven't done it technically yet, but they're not taking Tyrell Williams and keeping Marvin Jones. They can't. Um, the taking on Jared Goff's contract, dumb. Like I, it's not about his performance. It's they have that's a bad cap situation. Their defense, they're not. You know they're they're not a Jared Goff away from going to the playoffs even. Yeah, they're a they're a fifth. They're an the defense was like historically bad for several seasons in a row. You can run against the Lions like every single day, twice on Sunday, three times on Monday. Like it's not. It's just. It's just. It's upsetting. Like there's almost no one on that defense I would think is worth keeping. Like get rid of the entire thing. Start over. Start again. Hopefully, here's a small shred of hope. There are going to be some cap casualties and they're going to become, we've already started to see them trickle off. But Kyle Van Noy was the first one out of Miami. Yeah. Don't go get Kyle Van Noy. We don't need any more Patriots that no longer are Patriots. But what if you like take all those cap casualties and use it as like a, a re or a cleansing, right? Like let's get it all right. Redo our cap situation. We're going to be terrible next year. Let's just purge. Embrace and then the suck. It's not with a, a brand new stuff. coaching staff and general manager who are absolutely not going to be okay with that, right? Even though they actually probably have the time, they should to do because it. What happens is if people do it in year three of their contract, because they're like, "Oh crap, I'm going to get fired." They're already fired at that point. You know what I'm saying? Like, unless you really do a turnaround job or you're like incredible with the media, like there's some coaches who are really good at that. But you know, you should be doing it year one. I actually think that the Dolphins did a really good job of being like, "Yeah, boo boo, anyone's out." Like they've got one of their first round draft picks 
since 2012, obviously the 2019 and 2020 that draft picks they have, but from 2012 to 2019, then we got one left. It's Devontae Parker from the first round. The rest are allowed. See, I'm going to go get draft picks. Like I loved Minka Fitzpatrick, but if he didn't want to play the hybrid zone corner situation that is uh, a uh, safety corner, like zone situation, they want to play. If he didn't want to do that, great. Go get a first round pick for him. Like it, at least, at least just make a decision and stick with it. Yeah. Don't just do this ticky tacky stuff, you know, like do all, go all the way. Like the Jags also, who now have the most cap space with which to work in a year where that's even more important because we're going to see all of these like mid price, the, the middle class, you know, get cut because teams are screwed up against a tight cap. And mm-hmm. so they can maybe collect a lot of those players and teams they also win. have all these draft picks to work with. They can build something. Three in the top 33 in terms of picks. They can, the teams who win, they have the right number of average and slightly above average players that are paid as such. That doesn't sound sexy. It's not actually being mean. They're NFL players. They get paid a billion times more than average Americans. I'm not saying anyone's average. No one's actually average, but performance wise, the guys who are average to above average that are paid average to above average that allow your your stars to shine. That's the teams that win. There's a lot of guys on Kansas City's roster that you're like, is he good or not? Mm-hmm. You know, and and then you're like, well, Patrick Mahomes is really good, so that helps a lot, right? And like, in order to get that, they have a bad cap situation. But the point is, is that you got to allow your stars to really shine. You got Hill, Kelsey, Mahomes. Let those guys shine. Don't worry. Like, get the get enough above average that can execute your scheme correctly. Like, look at all those running backs they amassed for like, you know, kind of kind of weird prices, but they stole left bell because, you know, the jets made a bad decision there and had to clear it off their books. Great. He didn't even do anything for them, but it it was a good swing because why not? They can cut, you know, there's no, there's no consequence to them for that. They go with some average people and try to kind of get the, the sum of the parts to be more than, Mm -hmm. or the, you know, the, the entire thing to be more than just the sum of the parts. I feel like the Rams actually fit that that model too on offense. Cause when you look at them, you know, each individual, like none of them are like a level, mm-hmm. but they all play well within the system. And yep. so they kind of are like the sum of their parts are better than the actual parts. It looks exactly. Like. Yeah. Each individual part. Yeah. That, and that's, but that's what the teams do who win the mm-hmm. teams who can win. And cause look at all of the Patriots teams ever, you yeah. know, like, do you even remember like good name? Like there's a few, but not like, you're like, who was their right guard? You know, like, you don't know, like, and it's yeah. not even the highest paid or the best one in the league. It's just a lot of, you have to have a lot of, and that sound, and I'm being mean, but think about it. These are, this is not an average sample of human beings. It's like this middle part, right? Like that, that curve, you need to make sure you're paying and picking the right ones to execute your game plan. That's how you win. There's no yeah. other way to win than that. And then invest the money, like where you, to the where Rams you can get the start at those, those, those Aaron Donald. Points. Don't let that you know, guy walk ever. The like guy chain who, him to California who affects the quarterback, right? The guy who gets to the quarterback mm-hmm. and then your cornerback who also affects the quarterback and then pay your quarterback. And so, yeah, they've got a smart model there. Exactly. Um, the Carolina Panthers is where you have the next quarterback going. So this is quarterback number two, dropping all the way to eight in your model. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to me that Zach Wilson is the guy that you chose. Why is that for the Panthers? So Zach, so I really like both Matt rule and Joe Brady's offensive game plan. They're very good at strategizing for their specific type of quarterback. So looking at what Teddy Bridgewater did well is kind of not the right thing because what they did with what 
Joe Brady did with, with Joe Burrow the season prior. Obviously, that was in college. It's a bit different. The point is, is that they do that nice job of taking the assets that the quarterback has and using them well. Zach Wilson's assets are that he can make off-platform throws like you wouldn't believe. So off-platform, like you're not set. Think Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, uh, Deshaun Watson. Like you're, you're, you know, you're, you don't have to be horizontal like Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl, but you know, you like you, you're not fully set and you still get a lot of velocity on the ball. The modern quarterback play that has been increasingly imp- important because O-lines have been dicier. Just overall O-lines have not been as good. People aren't pocket passers. They're running outside of the pocket. So they're inherently, they're going to be throwing on the run. They're not set. It's just the way we play the game now. And that is where you've seen people with really good architects of that, like Brian Dable. He made Josh Allen be so, so, so good. Josh Allen has the skills, but it's the combination of who the receivers were, who's architecting the game plan and his specific skill set being tailored to. And that's what Zach Wilson would have with Joe Brady because they have great receivers. They've got Christian McCaffrey, who has a lot of the, the wiggle and run, and he does those short passes and screens. Like We understand all of that. The interesting part about Zach Wilson is he could then handle a lot of pressure coming his way, like from the Saints or probably from the, you know, the Bucks teams that they're for sure going to face. And he could, he could handle those and get those off platform throws off with a lot of accuracy. That's super valuable. However, there's a pick your poison here because Justin Fields has some great attributes too. And he goes next to the Broncos who also have a good set of wide receivers and they've got an O-line that allows people to run better, which is why the pairing with him was a little bit better. Like behind that O-line, his running ability, Justin Fields' rushing ability gives him a shortened learning curve so he can connect with his receivers first. But again, it's it's six of one, half a dozen of another. It's stylistic between the two in my models. It's not um, it's not that one is so head and shoulders above, better above the, the rest. And most people don't think like that. Most people think it's, you know, one or the other is way better. I think they're actually similar. It just depends on the systems. Yeah. And, and I guess, you know, who they fall in love with for whatever reason, a lot of times there's some intangibles that play into like, totally. And I can't imagine. I will say that Justin Fields is a vegan, which is kind of fun. Okay. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, you know, might as well. Fun Fun fact, you know, he's vegan. Oh my goodness. Um, you, are you looking at like free agency and the quarterbacks? Cause there's so many quarterback needy teams, but then Mm -hmm. there are a lot of we're kind of at a point now outside of Watson where it's like, is he an upgrade? You know, it's, it's a lot of blah that's out yep. there right now yep. from a free agency standpoint. Is there any move that you anticipate or a guy that you're like, that's the guy that I would go get. And so that could kind of throw a wrench in all of this. If I were one of these teams with like, I know this doesn't like, this is not going to make Jets fans happy, but I would go get someone. If I truly, if I truly, we're thinking about my future. I would get someone to pair with a Sam Darnold, like a, it's not going to sound sexy, but like a Marcus Mariota, who's super accurate, has a different skill set, and then leverage kind of both of them in different scenarios, more like the Taysom Hill, Drew Brees situation, and okay. use that as a way to like make a Sam Darnold better. So guys like Marcus Mariota, maybe even Tyrod Taylor to some degree, or T- Teddy Bridgewater those guys who have this like absolute ability to be impactful on short bursts of time that and fits magic is a good one too. I don't, I don't think he's got, I don't think he's going to hang it up yet. Like those and guys. I think, yeah. I think he and Winston too are the ones that interest me the most mm-hmm. because you, if you're just looking for a bridge, like yep. if you don't want to make a move to go up and get a quarterback or you have so many holes that 
like we've talked about with the Lions, that maybe it makes more sense to, although the Lions are a bad example because they already have a quarterback. But if you're that type of situation where you're just not close enough to go get like the guy that you love, I think those are really interesting bridges where they can be a placeholder. They can keep you in games. They might cost you Mm -hmm. a game here or there with the turnovers, but they're certainly passable as starting quarterbacks right now. Um, and I, I, I think the value of a backup quarterback this year is even more impactful. We don't know what the, what the impact of like, like with all these, like the COVID stuff, these, these, these new guys did not play a full season and they played at weird times. We don't know what their training is. Are they going to be, are they going to be able to get the playbook in person and execute on the field? Are we doing everything virtual? There's like so many unknowns that I would go out and get me a heck of a backup. If I had questions of that position as well, who's a veteran, who's a leader, who's like the dude, you know, those football guys call it right. But you know, he has such a command of the playbook that you're like, where's Jimmy, what's going to go on with Jimmy Garoppolo? Like, what are the Niners going to do? There's so many question marks. And I think that the tipping point here will be Deshaun Watson because if Deshaun Watson, if they don't get their act together, it's going to, I think that the quarterback market will be very like much far more stagnant, but if they deal him, it's going to be like cascade of other things that happen. I think people are just waiting. They're just chomping at the bit to be like, are you going to trade him or are you going to be stupid? And I don't think the kid will actually play because I do think he's now at a point where he has spoken his truth and done. Yeah, it's an expensive uh, decision to make, though, to sit the the season out for him with so much money that he'd have to pay back. But I I tend to agree with you that at this point he's dug in his heels, and I think he might actually do it. I think he's a good kid too, though. Like I don't like people who are saying like, oh, he's like not a team guy or whatever. like I agree. stop it. He's like he's like a. I think he's if he ever wanted to talk, I think we'd all listen. And we'd be like, and we'd be like. He shouldn't play there. Like I, that's that's my take from that situation. So, yeah, I, and I don't. I, agree. I usually and he like has leverage. Out. You know, everybody, leverage. everybody out there being judgmental. Like it's just it's smart business mm-hmm. to use whatever leverage you have to get in the best position for yourself. If he doesn't think that he can be his best self there, and right. that he's unhappy, and right. that they have you know taken advantage of certain situations in terms of their treatment. Have you of ever employees, worked for a narcissistic boss? Ever ever dealt with that? <laughs> so I think you know, we all I mean, have. <laughs> everyone has. Like nobody, <laughs> you shouldn't be in a situation where you're uncomfortable, especially yeah. when the average NFL career is you know very very short, like three seasons, you know, like something like that. Like this is you know you should you should take like if you're willing to accept the. He know he's not sitting there being like they're gonna pay me and I'm gonna sit like yeah and, and it, it, this is not like a Lev Bell situation where you know it's it's a it, it's it's different I think this is I think, this is not I'm better than I just nope. agreed to 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 play for six months ago this is not about finances no nope. this is about this a is lot about of other things totally different so yeah I have no fault I, with I commend him for getting the heck away from something he believes is unhealthy for him yep uh do you think Fields so Fields is a better quarterback than Locke? for the Broncos. Cause that's what this scenario essentially indicates, right? If they go quarterback, then you say that he has more value to them than Locke. So they look, James Palmer was like, why are they not taking a corner? And the reality is there's some nice corners that are available in the free agent marketplace, but I don't think James read the premise of my article. Um, then I think they could get some nice corners with free agency because I think Vic Fangio has a lot of things figured out on defense. And I think when it comes to offense, you need to change things up a bit to reflect a more modern skill set 
it's not that I don't like Drew Locke. It's not that I'm discarding him. It's kind of the opposite scenario of the Jets. It's that they're more like one player away to being good and playoff contenders um, than the Jets are or the Lions are for that matter. So it's all about creating opportunity here. And if you create opportunity through taking like a Justin Fields and and really setting yourself up for being able to use Locke and Fields together and then and then use them kind of they're different styles or different people, but being able to use them in a way that maximizes their potential, the opportunity for Denver to take a mobile quarterback behind the current O-line that they have, because they have a good run blocking O-line. That is a big upside scenario for them, especially with the return of Cortland Sutton from injury and the ability for them to take a a long, hard look in free agency at the corners that make the most sense for Vic Fangio because he's got those monsters up front. I mean, Vaughn Miller and Bradley Chubb are ridiculous. So the opportunity to, to just really focus on corner in the free agent market is very smart and very sound strategy. So then they can like develop a quarterback and really figure out if that's the right one. So this one's about availability of substitutes and the availability of substitute corners is far more rich in free agency than the availability. And and by the way, when you have a coach, that's really good at coaching them, I would trust Fangio's opinion of them and what he can make them do better than if they had an offensive head coach. So at number 10, it makes sense. You've got the Cowboys going defense. Need a lot of work on that side of the ball. Mm-hmm. An edge rusher here. Yeah, I went with edge because so Gregory Russo, I really like really interesting 2019 data. Again, another opt out. He lined up all over the place and he was able to generate just a ton of pressure really from like every alignment, which is super valuable when your front is as messy as the Cowboys happens to be right now. They've obviously this, my mock says they're bringing back Dak. That's I had to go with the I best mean, available information. It seems stupid to, you know, assume otherwise. So it and came also down to, to not bring whether, him back, but yeah, that's another conversation, but okay. Right. Um, it's either corner or edge rusher uh, that provides the most value. And between the two, the opportunity to get that edge rusher, like I said, there's better free agent, there's better free agent corners available than there are edge rushers. So even, you know, in the, in the case of replacement, so obviously I say one goes to the Broncos, one goes to, then the next one goes to the Cowboys, right. For free agents. So they're just better. The edge rushing market for, um, for free agency is, is weird because it's, um, like is Shaquille Barrett going to be available? Like who, who better not be. Right. So who's going to, who's going to be available? We don't, we don't really know. So, and, and the cornerback market's quite a a little bit more um, well-known like AJ Boye is there. We know he's available. So, you know, we've, we've got a few here that are already known because the Cowboys, they have, you know, they're all like their corners are basically all up for free agency as well. And I don't think they'll get rid of all of them. So, you know, this is more about the fact that there are more better, more better. That's good English um, that there are better quarterback options in free agency than pass rushers. And they need both. Number 11, you already said Giants going to take a wide receiver. Yeah. Devontae Smith I is really interesting. He's really good at, um, you know, look, consistency in route running is like, that's like an Alabama hallmark. Like nobody has done it better in the NFL than Calvin Ridley since he came out of college. And Calvin Ridley's route running makes up for his lack of speed. They did a big study to see what's the diminishing returns. Like, you know, we all go to the combine and we see John Rush run this 4 2 40 and then it catapults him into the first round. And then he's like, is he a first round wide receiver? Probably not. So I did like a study and anyone who falls between any receiver who falls between four, four and uh, four, five, four, they, it, you know, if they, their result is that their game speed, when they go like on the field and put their pads on and they run go routes. Cause that's 
one where you're getting to top speed. So I was curious, like what would happen in that situation? They, they lose about a half a second, right? Now, well, the guys who run sub four, four, when they put their game speed on or their pads on, they lose about 0.6 seconds. Do you know what that means? They ultimately become the same speed. So at on go route. So it doesn't really matter that it's diminishing return. As long as you fall within that four, four to four, five range in the 40, like it's diminishing returns. If you're a sub that a guy who runs a four, three, five and a four, 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 almost no difference when you put pads on. Wow. The one thing that does matter is their ability to, from college film to if once I catch the ball and I run with it, my breakaway speed, that's where you get a difference. That's where Tyreek Hill is fast. Sure. Tyreek Hill is fast in, you know, whatever, like he's super fast, like all the time, but the way with the one area that it matters is once you catch the ball, then what happens? Well, and it's interesting now because you have all of this data available. Yeah. They don't need a 40. Like, let's be clear. Right. It's fun. You know who needs a 40? Rich. He needs it. You know he needs that 40. So St. Jude, Children's Research Hospital. Oh, like all, everybody we, we needs need the it. 40 for a many for many and we need the 40, right? Because the 40 is fun to watch. It's fun. But, but like it's not predictive. We all knew that though. Like nobody, you know, nobody knows nobody. But the computer vision capabilities are already there and yeah. smart teams are using it. I get some interesting phone calls from teams asking me for questions and I'm like, pay me because, you know, I don't work for, just kidding. I usually help them. Yeah, girl. Unless they're mean or the lions. I don't help the lions. Screw the lions. We're done with them. I'm over. You're, you're doing this backwards, Cynthia. No, I'm canceling You need to make yourself them. available to the lions so nope. that they will change their ways. Canceled. Nope, you want them to succeed, Cynthia. I don't know why I'm needing to give you a pep talk <laughs> on your favorite team. I'm you're going about this wrong. I just don't want to bite angle. I don't know. I just, I just thought I, it was such a good opportunity this year to like really put in some like cool people. And I don't, I'm not saying that whoever the coach, you know, I'm not saying they're not cool, but like I'm talking about like game changers and then you kind of end up with the same old thing. I've seen this. I've seen this story before. I already know how it ends. Oh my Four gosh. and 12. That's how it ends. We've got another wide receiver going 13 to the Chargers, and you've got a cornerback, Caleb Farley, going 12 to the Niners. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, Niners need – I love Caleb Farley. Again, another opt-out, but his Virginia Tech stuff shows – people will say he's not fast enough. He is. Like, again, he's totally fine. Um, How about this and passer also, rating and coverage in 2019? Yeah, 26.8. So you, huh. if you throw the football into the ground, it's like a 39.6 or something. So you're better off throwing it into the ground than throwing it into Caleb Farley's, Farley's coverage. That's an insane stat. Mm -hmm. It's pretty good. Yeah, okay. PFF, PFF got that one right. That's good. All right. And you think that that fills a good value need and everything for the Niners? And Yep. Okay. Yep. 13, Jalen Waddell? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So – Again, another Alabama, another Alabama wide out. Love him. This one's a faster. He's a bit, he's a bit faster, a deeper ball. It's just a nice combination for Justin Herbert to have with Keenan Allen, with the guys. Like it just gives a little more. And also we don't know if Hunter Henry is going to be back or not. So it's interesting to, you talk about that spreading and, and opening up the field because Keenan Allen runs a lot of his routes out of the slot. So you know, keep the middle of the field open for like that big guy from the big Cal bear. And then, you know, you add, add an Alabama, you know, Alabama guy on the outside and you're, you're looking a little like Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley over here. So that could be a nice combination for, you know, Jalen Waddell, Waddell is um, much, is, he's pretty fast. He's very fast. He's faster than Calvin Ridley, but Ridley's more um, precise. So 
I love that. I feel like the Chargers are in one of those positions where they could all go upside, and- baby. Yeah, I mean they they're they are they're like a player away type of team. Yep. You know, I feel like they're right there. If they don't so. re-sign Melvin Ingram, they'll probably you know edge rusher would be a good one too. But again, we don't know. Ain't nobody told me who's released yet, so we yeah. got to go with what we know. <laughs> I mean, and use your money there. I don't know. I yeah, I wouldn't like- use that money on bookending both yeah. sides. Uh, yeah. A, both a fairly valuable side. position that he plays. So yeah, if he's available, that's going to change the complexion of some of these free agents. Like that could change the complexion of the of the entire draft. Actually. All right, number fourteen. I like the directions you're going in here. Well, I mean, uh, you've got a USC guy here, right? So exactly. We're... That's <laughs> why I like the direction that you're going in here. It, uh, you know, Elijah Vera Tucker, a guard. It doesn't sound sexy, but. The, the Vikings need to protect their quarterback. They run a lot of play action passing and they run the ball a lot. And this is where a guard becomes extremely valuable. They saw, you know, you saw Kyle Rudolph be released yesterday and, and we knew that was kind yeah, of that coming. Was coming. Right. It, that one wasn't a surprise, but you know, you have to up your ability to protect your quarterback. So, you know, this is, this just, it doesn't, again, it doesn't sound sexy, but these are the kind of guys that you add them to your team. They last for, 12 years, which is crazy. And they help you just totally run the ball and Dalvin cook's happy. And, you know, Kirk cousins is happy. And of course they could use other things. They could use depth at receiver, but kind of not really Justin Jefferson's nasty and they could get a free agent that doesn't need to be so good. Adam Thielen's still really good. So, you know, they're in, they're in good shape there. It's their defense is going to be interesting to see how they, cause they're really young. They had the most draft picks ever. Like the worst one that Zimmer's ever coached. Right. So but they're also, According remember, they had him. 14 draft picks last season in a year when we had the most uncertainty in terms of training those people. So you saw the Vikings get better year, game after game once they got more reps together. So I think part of their problem is their youth, which okay. could be addressed, which will be addressed there. So the pieces might already be there. Yep. Okay. Number 15, Trey yeah. Lance, quarterback, Patriots. Yeah. Like, Trey Lance is interesting because he has like 17 games worth of data, but we don't have a quarterback there. So it's almost like you're putting like zero in instead of, you know, like there's no substitute, right? Like there's no Sam Darnold substitute in this one. So it's interesting because you could bring Cam Newton back. That's possible. Seems unlikely, but it's, it's possible. Trey Lance is interesting for me for a number of reasons, but the best stat on him is the least sexy. He doesn't turn the ball over. He doesn't have that like deep passing. That is a very sexy quarterback stack. I think so. Like I would love that, but like, you know, it's, it's not the one to be like, I don't, I don't think he wants to be like, I'm Trey Lance. I don't turn the ball. But like maybe, <laughs> maybe that's good. I don't know. So it's interesting. Cause he, he needs I guess to Alex Smith is somewhere going like, wait a minute. No one thinks it's sexy when it's attached to me. I know. All right. But anyway, so that's, that was kind of it. It's like, you know, you need to revamp the position and this is a guy who could really, you know, there's like, he's like a, a good, he's got a lot of great, like, you know, his arm position, he has a lot of great results with different arm positions, which is cool um, and shows strength, but he needs to learn a lot. So maybe you get a bridge and Trey Lance. Maybe you get that, you know, a, a more like a, a Marcus Mariota and a Trey Lance and figure that out. It's interesting. So do you need a specific bridge quarterback then if you're going to bring in Trey Lance for the reasons that we talked about with the Falcons earlier? It, like who, like Marcus think, Mariota would Yeah, make I think sense like a Mariota – but I, I don't know. The, the thing that I would need to know more about is Mariota's personality. I don't know him as well. I, I you know, I, I'm not as familiar with him just overall um, mm-hmm. as I am with some of the other people. Um, so it would take a, it's more of a, like a, like if you could bring in Alex Smith, that would be perfect, right? Like yeah. you bring in Alex Smith for him. That would be great to bridge. 
number 16, you've got an offensive tackle. Yep. Christian Darasaw. He had a great senior season. Interesting part um, about his trajectory up 18 to 19 to 20. He did nothing but favors for himself. And the Cardinals literally need like all of the linemen they can get. Like, do you have an alignment? Great. Go right to the Cardinals. It doesn't yeah. sound sexy, but you know, we got to keep Kyler Murray upright. They need a backup quarterback too. I don't even, their backup quarterback situation is abysmal, but that's a, that's a free agent problem yeah, that, that they can solve. Do, yeah. uh, what other, because obviously JJ Watt going there is, you know, he says he wants to go to a contender. And so there's that conversation happening right now. Like, are they that, did he actually go to a team that fits his own description of what he was looking for? What else do you think that they need to get done this off season, either in free agency or the draft in order to actually um, make them a team that could go get it all? Well, Larry Fitzgerald needs to tell them what's going on first because they're going to need to replace him if he's not playing. If he's playing, it's going to get real expensive quick because, you know, he's earned the the ability to get a nice salary and he's he's their like you know favorite son. So it's but, but the return on that investment isn't necessarily it's not it's not what it used to be because look at, at the end of the day like you know, 15 million in a time when a cap's going down is a lot of money. Right. So I don't think it'd be that expensive, but you know, like a lot of it's, it could be too much, right. Unless he's willing to give them a discount, it, it would seem like it's expensive and I love him. So I hate, like, I feel like I'm saying like bad things about like the nicest man in all of football, but it's, it's just more of the ROI. And then they got to figure out what's going on with their corners. They've got Uda Baker's great. They're, they're, they're safeties. They're set. Like I love the Isaiah Simmons pick last year. I love the, like the fact that they use like a weird, defensive scheme in the back end, but with Patrick Peterson up and they've got a lot of corners that are up and in order to make the most out of, you know, Chandler Jones and JJ Watt being there together, you need to back it up. Like with your Jalen Ramsey, if you want to use that analogy, you need to back it up with like a nasty guy to stop the pass. You need to stop that. They need to shore up the run too. So they've got to figure out their, their defense needs some help big time. And they're going to probably get rid of Kenyon Drake. I don't think he stays there. I think though that if they get the right blend of O linemen, that they could use a sub premium running back in that situation and be fine because Kyler Murray's mobility allows him to be, you know, to to make their running back position less less valuable. So they could probably get it totally. to take a discount there. You He's know, their leading rusher. Just yeah. They just need an O line. Stop making the poor kid run around. Okay. So Raiders, you have going defense. I mean, obviously the Raiders need to go defense. They need all of the defenders. They need all, all of the send defenders. Them, send them to Vegas. Yeah. But you prioritize an edge rusher here. I did. You got to you got to be able to get after the quarterback in that division especially. Because good pass I mean, rushers are hard to find. There's <laughs> Where have we heard who who said that? Right? I've heard that somewhere. <laughs> um but yeah, so Jason Owe and you know another Penn State guy, he's a baby. I don't love the I don't look, I I don't love the fact that I don't have a ton of data on him, but he was super fast and you can't teach fast and Mayock can figure out how to do this new defensive coordinator, new situation there. They need help on both the front and the back of that defense. So, you know, I'm, that's one team I'm curious to see what happens with their quarterback, because if somehow Derek Carr becomes available, mm, that could be interesting for many a team to take a swing with. Mm-hmm. If you're in their situation, cause there's this whole conversation about best player available or like need, when you have glaring, how do you approach that if you're a team like that? That it, do you just go like best player available on defense? You know, like so that you don't get stuck in a situation where you're not actually bolstering 
the area of your team that does need to be addressed? Um, can it be broad? Does it need to be specific? I think they need to have a very cohesive plan with free agency. Like they're in a great spot to snatch up all of these cap casualties and change the complexion of their team fast because of yeah. their cap situation. So they need to have a strategy where they're flexible because they're not really picking in a great spot in the draft. There's no one that's like, you're not going to be able to, when you trade down, once you get past about 10, once you trade down, you don't get like a slew of picks. You get like one pick in the fourth round, right? Like not super helpful. So the, the interesting thing here is that they're going to have to figure out the strategy that gets them more pieces faster. They're going to need to like, they don't, they don't have a lot of the things that, you know, that there's seven, like when I look at like the top, the top guy, like Daniel Jeremiah's top 50 has like seven offensive linemen or seven offensive tackles and seven wide receivers. But like, so maybe they'll be in that, be able to do something for the line there um, and their, and their wide receivers there. But like, they're going to need edge rushers could be very, very, very at a premium this year. It doesn't, it doesn't seem like many will, I don't know if Melvin Ingram will come available. Right. Like, so I think they need to, that's why, you know, that's the most glaring go for those bigger ones, but their whole strategy needs to change the complexion of their defense quickly. Okay. At 18, another dolphins pick, you've got an edge rusher here in Jalen Phillips, 19. You've got the Washington football team taking a quarterback in um, Patrick certain. How do you say his last name? I think it's certain. Certain. All right, certain. And then 20, you've got the Bears taking a wide receiver, Rondell Moore, Allen Robinson. I love that. I know. Well, no, well, it's actually great with Allen Robinson because this guy really only has like he has inside routes, so like slot guy. So it'd be good pairing with Allen Robinson. So it's they need they need multiple receivers. Like they need more. They, there's no space. Allen Robinson is awesome. If they get rid of Allen Robinson, the Bears will have a huge problem. The Bears have a huge problem already. They got to figure out, but like that's you know quarterback. But like when it comes to who's receiving the balls, they need they need help there. So this is actually helping to bolster Allen Robinson. Backing up to nineteen and the Washington pick there, the fact that you're going defense is interesting because it feels like what they really need is people that can I don't know, like uh, uh, the offensive side of the ball is the side that was like not as sexy for them. So this reflects the fact that I don't love the other quarterbacks. That's the that's the best way to put it, right? Okay. Like that after the fourth quarterback, there's a drop off. A lot of people like Mac Jones way more than me. I do not. Okay. I it's 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 not personal. Like I don't know him, right? Like it's it's the fact that you know, are they going to get their right guard back? Because Brandon Scherf makes a big difference. Yeah. Question: You if you had if you had like a Justin Fields here, could be interesting. I don't think that they'll go back to the Ohio State well for some reason. But this is a team that is going to be in the market for figuring out their quarterback situation. I do think corner to make this defense just totally rock solid, help whoever's at quarterback. And Mm -hmm. then they do have wide receiver one and running back figured out, which is good. And they've got a lot of their line figured out. So there, there are a number of great things that they could get great. Like, so wide receiver really, that's not helpful here. It really came down to corner or quarter when it back. Right. And, uh-huh. You know, certain is just a better is a has more upside for me than the remaining quarterbacks left. Yeah, and the worst thing you can do is use uh, one of these high value draft picks and reach for somebody. Like if it's not the guy who belongs there, don't go get him, regardless nope. of what your need is. So, what's your best case scenario for the Washington Football Team at quarterback? 
I would love for them to get Deshaun Watson. I do not think that's going to happen, but I would, I think that's really interesting. I agree. Like, I totally I agree. that there. I mean, they've got a defense. It's like plug and play. You have weapons there for him to use. You've got the mm-hmm. running back and the wide receiver, as you mentioned. And um, I would love that if I was him. I am a little bit concerned about this. The reasons that he's unhappy in uh, Houston organizationally. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that Washington is the team that you just drop him into and go, yep, culturally, this is totally perfect and everyone's so, going to be happy. I got a little insight here. Okay. I think if you're talking about Super high level, completely yes. agree with you. But the more day-to-day level and maybe not as coach, I think that's where the, the disconnect is. Not the coach, but the other side. Wait, what are you saying? I just think I think there's some weirdness there with a structure of how their front office is working. Okay. So, some weirdness. Okay. So you think that he could be happy there? I think he could. I think Ron Rivera makes writes a lot of wrongs. Well, I mean, yeah. And I think, of- I think their, I think their president writes a lot of wrongs. I think, you know, I think there's some, I think there's some people there who are really good and they'll figure, I think they're closer to figuring it out than the Texans. All right. At 21, we've got the Colts. I've been very JC hard on Horn. the Texans. Yeah. What'd you say? I've been very hard on the Texans just in general. But yes. Oh, JC Horn, I, I think a lot good. of us have been. And by the way, I think that they've earned that. I agree. I'm not, I'm not a uh, sugarcoating it. I've just, just putting it out. <laughs> Very yeah. tough on them. Um, so 21 Colts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I went with corner, JC Horn. It's he's great. Like he just had a great corner this year. Is a it's a fun draft if you like corners. The Colts are very, very they're in such a good position. They like stole Carson Wentz, which is awesome. It's just nothing but upside there. Their defense, they've got to figure out their edge rushers for sure. They've got three of their four guys in that up front that may or may not be back. They can figure that out though. You know, they, they've got good opportunities there and the back end, like is Xavier Rhodes coming back or not? We don't know, but he, he was great last year, but even if like my ideal scenario is having a, a, a veteran corner with a rookie so that you have that kind of leadership and understanding and the ability to, to learn as you go and not expect everyone to be Patrick or be, uh, be, be Jalen Ramsey right away. Number 22, you've got the Titans going defensive tackle. It's the first defensive tackle that we've seen in your mock. Very light defensive tackle class. Christian Barmore is pretty much kind of the only one that I have like in the first two rounds that isn't a reach, right? Like, again, if these quarterbacks go around and everything's like whatever, could be, could, could be, you know, even less, right? Like you could push them down, even other ones down even more. Um, he got better every game. He played really good in his last two games. And those were, he showed out against Notre Dame and Ohio state kind of scares me. Cause it's like, well, what happened from the beginning to the end? He did have an injury in the beginning of the season that could have been influencing some of his data from the beginning of the season. So I think that the opportunity for the Titans and their ability to teach defense and especially their need in the middle there, that could be that that's it just very logical. Like I think they'd be stoked if they could get, if they got him like 22 is like, not a super sexy number, but like, you know, it's, it's one of those things where you stop the run. Okay. Stop the, you know, help, help out with all the things that we need this front to do. Okay. We just got better. We've got some teams uh, making their second picks coming up here in this next group. You've got the jets at 23. You have them taking a cornerback in Greg Newsom. The second uh, at 25, you have the Jags picking again, and I'm going to let you say the name. It's Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa. All right, Notre Dame from uh, uh, Notre Dame linebacker. I love off-ball linebackers. So fun. 
And then at 24, Steelers' first pick, taking an offensive tackle. That yeah, makes this sense guy, for a ton of reasons. Dylan Radunes, I think I'm saying that right. Um, he went to North Dakota State. He's got he's definitely like a bit more of a project compared to some of the other guys that are a little more like Penae's who old, a lot more polished. But his it's really interesting because and obviously the level of competition, gotta note that, right? But he didn't get pushed back. So I, I measure how far people get pushed back on the offensive line because that like helps determine who's gonna give unfavorable leverage, meaning get crushed and get it get, you know, their quarterback get get sacked or their running back get stuffed. Um, and he was in like the, if you measure him against like in 15 season sample size, he like actually ended up in the top 12%. Now just that for level competition, maybe ends up top 15%, but that's pretty cool. And if you put him in a Mike Tomlin offense and you give him that opportunity to learn like Steeler football, like this guy, like he has Steeler written all over him. He's like a strength dude. He's been doing nothing, but just like impressing people at the senior bowl, like heard nothing, but like great things about his work ethic and his capability to learn and adapt. Like I think this guy is kind of is a stealer, and especially with Ben re-signing. You're going to need to figure something out because the O-line let him down last season. All right. We're talking about some um, playoff teams now. So this is kind of fun, adding some players on teams that are a little bit more competitive, maybe have fewer holes. At 26, we've got the Browns. You have them taking a safety from TCU. Mm-hmm. Trayvon Morig. He's, um, he's interesting. Again, past breakups were his thing. The Browns are really in good shape. The Browns can take like, I think they need to focus on their defense. Their offense is in really good shape. They don't need an O-lineman, which is a very great place to be when you're picking 26th. Um, And Odell Beckham Jr. is coming back. They've got their wide, they could do depth at wide receiver, but that's more of a luxury. Like they've got some, you know, their corner, you can always fortify corner or, you know, so I defensive back here. So I have a versatile safety. That's good at pass breakups. That's kind of what matched to be the best uptick because you've got a bunch of like the Steelers are pretty pass happy, you know, like the Ravens don't pass as often, but a safety can, can help when the time they do with Hollywood Brown, for example, for example, and, you know, just factoring in their opponents, it, they're, in, they're actually Browns are in really good shape. That can, let's take a moment and just appreciate the fact that, that those words just came out of your mouth. I know. I, it's crazy, right? Like two years ago, we were like, oh, the Browns. Congratulations, Cleveland. Yep. Good job, Cleveland. Uh, you mentioned Hollywood Brown and the Ravens are up next at 27 and you have them taking an offensive tackle. From Michigan, no less. Jalen Mayfield, who was interesting. Look, like they're, they, they need a right tackle. Like it just, they do. There was injuries and that's their whole game plan is predicated on Lamar Jackson's ability to have options. He can run, he, he can throw, he can do all the things that they need him to do. Hopefully Mark Andrews will be back and healthy. We knew the importance of that pass catching tight end. And then, um, you know, you got to fortify your O-line and you have a hole there. So it was pretty, pretty simple from the standpoint of what the highest yield fit was. They knew they need wide receivers. Um, they need a perimeter wide receiver to create some space for the middle of the field to operate more efficiently, but you know, the, who they can get at that. There's more, there's, there's options in free agency. The saints are interesting at 28, right? Because this is a team that ha- they're in salary cap hell. hell. And so you figure based on the moves that they make in order to, you know, create cap space, they will open up all sorts of holes that will now need to be addressed cheaply. So this could go in a ton of different directions, but you have them taking a wide receiver and Kadarius Tony out of Florida. Yeah. The, the problem is, is right now we still think Drew Brees is coming back. Um, and Do we? According to 
you know, there aren't enough strong enough rumors. It has not, he hasn't unfollowed them on social media yet. So <laughs> until the pettiness What's happens, he doing? What's he doing? Um, so, you know, look, like we don't, we, again, this one I expect to be completely changed. Completely yeah. changed. This is a, as it's configured right now because they cannot afford to go get more wide receivers. That is what this says. They, they need to clear some space. They cannot afford it. They must, they must look here. Right. So do I love this? No, it's just what, given the current situation of kind of where they land. And my, my models like Tony a lot. Like it's, he's interesting. Um, he has a lot of broken tackles, so he's good after the catch, which is one of the tenets of this offense. They throw balls very quickly. And with Drew Brees at quarterback, they throw the ball very quickly. And sometimes you need to be able to break tackles. That's why Michael Thomas was so effective. So this is interesting with Tony because he did actually line up a lot of places that Thomas liked to line up. But at the end of the day, the versatility of both of those players makes it more interesting. Yeah. And yeah, you've got Daniel a Sanders. couple of wide receivers back to back here because the Packers pick 29 and they're going to be a lot of people happy. <laughs> oh, a lot of people who wear the number 12. Uh, who would be happy if they drafted a wide receiver weapon for him to work with. And you have them doing just that. Minnesota's Rashad Bateman um, fits nicely here. He has a lot of, he lines up on the outside a lot and they need a little help there. He's very precise on routes that were run on the outside. Precision is something that matches and pairs very well with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers does make, he does throw his receivers open. I hate those silly adages like that, but he does actually manage to help his receivers get open. But when you have someone who's a precise route runner and you're pairing him with someone who's just the best receiver in football this last year in Devontae Adams, then you have some versatility that makes both receivers better. So Devontae Adams can be expected to do all the things that he did this season and not get hurt. If they go get a wide receiver in free agency, um, like a fuller or something like that, then do you see them still going in this direction? They should take a corner. They need to figure out corner. If Okay. I mean, it just depends on who's available, right? Because they corner and receiver, they need they need to do. They also should probably look at a little bit of depth on their O-line for in free agents, but that's more of a nice to have than a must have because they'll get Bakhtiari back from injury. That was a big problem when he, when he escaped. It'll be interesting to see what happens with Aaron Jones for them. That's the one I'm, that's the one I'm looking at because I'm like, Hmm, Aaron Jones could be expensive. So we'll have to see, we'll have to see what happens with that. What's uh, how much is too much from a value standpoint in terms of them, you know, overpaying for a running back or getting the value back. So I don't think LaFleur is in danger of losing his job and I don't think Gutekinst is either. So I think that if they can restructure. So if you see, I wouldn't be surprised if I see like an Aaron Rodgers deal restructured longer more total money over a longer period of time to clear more this year when the cap has gone down. Um, which means that they could probably like Aaron Jones, unfortunately there's some comps in the marketplace that are really hefty for guys like Aaron Jones because they're so valuable because they catch balls, but he's yeah. not going to get a Christian McCaffrey con- contract. There's no, that, that contract isn't going to be had this season. I'd be any team that did that kind of contract for, you know, for a running back would be, they're going to, unless it's the Jags because they have extra, they have surplus cap space and no quarterback in that spot. There's probably an overpay that, and, and not a good overpay either. Right. So I don't know. I don't, I don't know what too much is. And it depends on how team friendly Aaron Jones is willing to be. I think he has Drew Rosenhaus as his agent. So I don't, he's not known for being very team friendly, but we'll see what happens. That's such a tough position these days. Cause it feels like there's just so much evidence out there that says, do not pay your running back this year. If it were me, in all honesty, I don't know what their their current situation is. 
I would go get me, I would go, I would maybe focus on corner, work myself backwards, take, try to focus on wide receivers in the draft. And I would try to get Aaron Jones in the mix for a price that made sense. Because I think if you let, if you say the cap's going down, we'll lock you into a longer deal with less guaranteed money up front. Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. that's not super player friendly, but this year, I don't know if he's going to get that deal. He would have gotten if we didn't have COVID. I think I would try to lock him in because the certainty of having, they have two with AJ Dillon, the certainty this season to me matters more because we have so many other things that are very uncertain, very uncertain. Including the quarterback position down the road, though you, uh, I I think it's interesting that you say that, um, that they should restructure that deal this off season. They should because that that then obviously that's a big decision that they have to make about the future of their quarterback position. Because if they do that, then they're going to have to uh, move that draft pick from last year. Yeah, people don't like um, admitting they're wrong. So we we went and we might not see that. We'll see. People don't like it. They're not there. People don't like saying me like, oh, I was wrong. (laughs) So uh, in this scenario, I think you could get away with it without really looking like you were wrong because Mm, you know. I think Aaron. I think Aaron Rodgers might be like my kind of petty. You know, be like, mm. oh, for sure, for sure. Like, <laughs> yeah, it would have been nice to have a wide receiver or something like that this year rather than a position. Or a corner. That, that you're not going to get any value out of, right. right? Like a backup who doesn't play at all. But, you know, if you're the GM, then you've just hedged your bet because there's no more no more important position on the field. So, right. Right. you know, if, if and if this in any way had anything to do with lighting a fire under Aaron Rodgers, then – good you get your return yeah. here I don't know. not I'm a believer in the you can't I don't you know can't about that. I just don't you, know if you like you can't like measure motivation Aaron Rodgers is really smart I don't think he's like tricked by being like I think he could just distrust the you know the front office I don't know if it would work to be like oh now I'm motivated like like I, I, I don't I don't know it's like do you go you bring in like a I don't know it, I just I don't know if I think that works I think he's more like cerebral and I think you have gotten just the same result out of him if you were like, hey, I'm going to make you a part of decisions in the future as opposed to being like, hey, we're drafting Jordan Love. Like, seems weird. So number 30, now we've got some teams that are uh, playing with house money, right? So the Bills, you have them taking an offensive tackle out of Oklahoma State, Tevin Jenkins. I also love his glasses. My favorite thing about him is like, (laughs) yes. A little bit of a goggle look. Really good against the, like, really good run. Like his him against the run is nasty. And when you got Josh Allen, that's a really special thing to be able to, he's good. He didn't have as many, um, like he had 211 pass blocking snaps that were counted and he had four total pressures allowed on those. So he's good against the pass as well, or stopping when, when his quarterback's passing to stopping pressure, but it is really his ability to be nasty against the run day one. That is very helpful for him. What is the thing, if you're looking at from an analytics standpoint in the Bills, the thing that makes them more competitive with the Chiefs? Because if you figure that they're going to continue down the path that they're going and that they're just going to run into the Chiefs again in the postseason, where did they come up short? What's the analytical model? What does it say about where they need to upgrade in order to beat that specific team? They would have to bring – they would have to do a better job of bringing more consistent pressure. They they – they do some, they did some weird things because Patrick Mahomes had some, was great against the blitz. So the first time they played, they didn't blitz him at all. And then they run, they ran for like a bajillion yards, right? Then they started to like strategically blitz and then adapt to it. But unfortunately they didn't have like horsepower to like, they didn't have the right sets of ability to stop the intermediate or the deep 
threats kind of at the same time. So, you know, you've got your, you've got, uh, you've got a great corner. You've got the front could be, you had some good things, but you could be more efficient with the front to make the front and the back work together better. So I speaking think, of the chiefs. Yeah. Speaking of the chiefs, they have to address offensive line. I think at some point this off season, um, you yeah. have them taking an edge rusher, um, how do, you, how do you weigh what happened in the Super Bowl in terms of your offseason strategy? Because you had some offensive linemen that did get hurt, and so you have to make some decisions there. You might not want to overreact. I mean, what do you take away from the Super Bowl in terms of how you approach all of this? Left tackle is really important. That's the first thing. I mean, the Bucks just crushed both teams, the Packers and then the Chiefs, who were missing their left. Like David Bakhtiari first was out, and they crushed Aaron Rodgers there. Yeah. And then, you know, and look, that's the right guys were there, right? Like I like the team had the right pieces. Yep. They just got hurt. So it's depth hurt. at that position. It's somebody else on the offensive line that is where the drop off isn't as, as great. If you have to move them to left tackle. I think it's more about depth and being able to, during the course of the season, substitute out a little bit more. So you're getting a bit more experience so that if someone does happen to go down, then you get a chance to reconfigure and regroup in a way that's not like just keep shuffling the deck and everyone's doing something different on different downs. Um, that's unlucky more than many things. They're going to have to figure out wide receiver too. They've got, you know, they've got some people who are up, not Tyreek Hill and, and not McCall Hardman, but like, you know, there, there's got some, they, they have the luxury of working on depth. Um, they do, yeah. you know, so the front though, the reason why I have them taking Aziz Ojolari, I think I'm saying that right. Um, from the, edge rusher from Georgia is because that's a really expensive position. And the, Spags is a guy who is known for their defensive coordinator is known for being able to create pressures, like an interesting thing, you know, that giants team that won the super bowl against Tom Brady. That's what you think of with, with Steve Spagnolo. The interesting part there is that, you know, you saw like you saw that they have the pieces for these, these, you know, rushers, but you didn't see them use it. They didn't blitz very often. They didn't, they didn't do what you think they dropped into coverage quite a bit, which to me means two things. Either they liked their coverage a lot. Cause Tyron Matthew, like they got to figure out what to do with that. And then, so, so they got Kendall fuller back. Like their corners are like, all right. But like, if you had a little more pressure up front, which is what Spags is more known for, maybe you wouldn't have to rely so much on the coverage. So adding to edge rusher, a position, which like I said, in free agency is super unknown, could be very expensive, exceedingly expensive. Yeah. That's where this, what my, my model saying here is that there are better options to add depth to your O-line or maybe your receivers or maybe your corners from free agents and not overpay because your cap is already blown or then, and then you draft the right edge rusher because with in, in reality, it's likely the chiefs will be able to get an edge rusher at 31 and maybe even one that they like better than the one I've assigned to them because those other quarterback needy teams could reach. So it's about figuring out like how mm -hmm. the, like, you know, the, the bucks and the chiefs and like all these playoff teams, they're going to have to do a lot of like, if then scenarios, if this, then this, if this, then this. So that's kind of how that netted out. Yeah. And the board will obviously, as we both mentioned at the top, the board's going to look different than what you totally have different. laid out here because totally it's not going to go this way because people will go, uh, you know, reach for positions mm -hmm. like quarterback that changes everything. Yep. So 32, the defending champs, you have them losing in Dominican Sue in free agency and then plugging in his replacement in the defensive tackle out of Washington. Yeah. Levi. We're going to just call him Levi because his last name Levi. Good old is, Levi. Good old Levi. Levi. Oh. Um, look, 
the, I told you this is a light defensive tackle class. And the reason he goes so high here is because of need. I do think they're going to, they're going to be missing someone. They can't bring back everyone. Is it Levante David? I don't know. Is it Ndamukong Su? This guy plays a three technique very well. So this is, this is a, it's a nice strategic fit there for Todd Bowles in that defensive front. Again, when you have a good, when you have a good teacher, you can get more of a raw subject. If you don't have a good teacher, you can't just plug it in and expect him to play. So that's, this is a, a compliment to Todd Bowles that there's a, a lot of raw skill and in, in what I have calculated from this kid, but that he needs to be taught and in a system where the other people are all really good too, so that he can just shine. Let me ask you this then. So, because they do have some guys that they would need to bring back that are set to become free agents. So they're going to have to make some decisions about who to prioritize from a value standpoint is Sue is the, is that spot the one that they should let go in terms of uh, getting a better, you know, more value out of a draft pick? Like wh- where's, the, where's there the greatest drop off who should be valued the most and who should they let go out of the guys that are there? I, I'm saying any, anyone who rushes the passer is the one I think you should value the most and you should pay the most because so the Levante David bring him back. Yeah. Or, you know, you gotta, you gotta figure out, you got it because because the substitutes just aren't there now. Defensive tackle, there aren't a ton of those either, and they're not as great. But Sue has been very overpaid in many places. I don't know if he'd be willing to accept a lower salary. It's hard to assume that he would, and like to the point where it would need to be to make sense. Last question: You're running a draft board, and we always talk about best, you know, drafting for need best available, that kind of stuff. It feels like from an analytics model standpoint, it would be stupid to just ignore what your needs are. But you want best available. What's your approach if you're a general manager? So what you need to do is you need to be clear on your strategy. It's just like anyone with any job ever. If you know what your end goal is, chances are you're going to give yourself a better chance to get there. If your end goal keeps switching and changing and not like, you know, like not, it doesn't even need to be like, you know, like, look, like if you're going only best available and like the best available is a position that you're already super stacked with, that's a strategy. And that could be your strategy, but then you have to make up for it in free agency or you have to make up for it later. That's hard. So what are you trying to execute and what gets you the highest chance of getting there? So it's typically a a meshing of the two because you have to wreck it. So the teams are the smartest. They do like an analysis of who's likely to be available at each position. And it, every time someone gets selected, then it shifts what they're doing. So then they're going to know, crap, we're going to be in a real big bind about running backs, but we're okay with that because we know the opportunity to take this, like I'm, I'm Arizona, mm-hmm. right? Okay. We, we did, we let go Kenyon Drake and you know, we've, we've got, you know, we got some guys left, but like they're, they're only okay. But we got Brandon Scherf, right guard in uh, free agency. Great. We overpaid there. And then in the draft, no running backs. We like even close to fall for us. Like, okay, we've got a problem there, but we're okay with that because we've got Kyler Murray who can run anyway. So we just, we like Chase Edmond will be enough or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. So you've got, but it's staying true to your strategy and understanding that the pivots shouldn't be like 90 degree pivots. They should be like, you know, 10, eight, five, you know, understand where the, where the return Cause it doesn't matter if you take best available, if they're not good or you're not going to use them, right? Like you're, you're not, it's not like totally. they're 100% going to be good. Even if you 
Like if you draft someone fifth or you draft someone 25th, like I would argue Justin Jefferson was the best wide receiver in last year's draft class. He wasn't the first wide receiver taken, not by a long stretch. So that's the, the, but would he have been as good as he, if he had, he been drafted to another team, who knows? Did they need a slot receiver? Who knows? So it's really about, you know, I think the sweet spot to be drafting always is like right around, like, like people tend to do really well in the teens because they're, some people are reaching for quarterbacks and doing some things and other people, they don't know how to trade down properly because they don't know who they, they don't know how to take these trade calls. And they, they do this like old man, like mad men style. Like I'm going to pretend I don't like my quarterback and tend, you know, this stupid stuff, like be rational because at the end of the day, you have to like repeating relationships, but there's only 32 teams. You can't just like trade someone away with no trade partner. So you have to like do a good job of navigating, like keeping your strategy to yourself, but also revealing enough to find a rational trade partner. Cynthia Freeland, how many mock drafts do you plan on doing? I think we're at three this year. You're going to do lot. three? Yeah. And this sure is we one. Did two. Yeah, we did. We did one. So heavy so, lift, you know? <laughs> so, right. This is a lot. There's a lot that goes into it, especially yeah. if you're not just going, eh, they need an offensive lineman here. You know, you're not just I playing wish like, I could do the that. Dart the dartboard. I wish I could do that. Um, so will your second one come out after free agency? Yep. After and then the third agency. one right before the draft? Yeah. All right. Perfect. And, um, will you take it easy on the lions moving forward? No. Okay. So like, we're, no, we're going to have an intervention. Okay. Sounds good. But <laughs> not right now. Cause you've given me enough to think about, uh, uh, Cynthia, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Cynthia Freeland who uh, you can find on Twitter or um, on any of the NFL media platforms. Um, One of the smartest people in the business, male or female. Love talking to you. Thank you. Thank you.